1: Oh, it's a goal! Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back. And we're back a little bit earlier than we said we'd be, actually. Our unwritten rules of FPL pod is definitely in the pipeline of FPL stag for next week. But you know what? Uh, we were WhatsApping today, weren't we, Nick? And we realised that before we do our final preseason season pod, we've got some unfinished business in terms of what we offered last year. So we thought we'd do that in a surprise pod, a third unsolicited stats bomb. That's what we're listening to right now. I'm joined today by Nick. How's the little man, mate? Yeah, he's very good. Thank you. Um, Kept us busy today. A bit tearful, but I don't think
0: our listeners want to hear about that. They're here to listen to us talk about FPL. So that's that's what we're going to do today, isn't it? Before we go any further, I should say who we are. If you don't know already we are who got the assist and you can find us on our website who and we're also on twitter at wgta underscore fpl we're also available on the interwebs and various pod websites such as soundcloud itunes and also spotify if you're a brand new listener i'd advise going back to our preview pods 39 and 40 to see what we're all about and hear our team previews they're also on our website so what are we talking about today, Tom?
1: Well, today we're going to talk about player positions and maybe just voice over some of the dilemmas FPL managers may be having right now with certain price points and maybe offer some semblance of knowledge <laughs> on, on each of these. Right, Nick? Um, we realised, I guess, that we talked about players from clubs, but n- not necessarily done the compare and contrast some of the key assets at certain price points, um, which may hopefully help you guys with your tinkering and fun decisions.
0: Yeah and um also talk about our features for the coming season which also involves um talking about zombie teams as well but obviously we can't talk about everyone.
1: All right Nick let's uh, let's get right into it then and uh, wiggle our big toe into the water of player analysis. Let's start with the man between the sticks shall we? Uh, who's in goal for you right now?
0: At the moment I've got Rui Patricio actually. I think at 4.5 oh, really? he's um he's very good value. He's He's obviously a top quality goalkeeper. He's won the European Championships with Portugal, alongside the likes of Cedric. But um, yeah, I think he's uh, definitely a great signing for Wolves. And at his price, um, he's likely to see lots of saves, lots of clean sheets. And I think think he's pretty good value uh, for what he can offer over the course of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, he starts with Everton, Leicester, Man City, West Ham, Burnley, the first five. And yeah, it's not, know, I mean... it's not ideal,
0: but I think with a goalkeeper, you're not really looking to make many changes. Obviously, you might wildcard early on in the season, but you're not. You shouldn't really be thinking about switching your goalkeeper too much anyway. So I think it's sort of a set and forgets, like you are thinking with De Gea, isn't it?
1: We ran that simulation uh, to find the best goalkeeper and defender pairing. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with that, uh, we matched. Each of the top 10 keepers with every top defender from every side excepting their own. So obviously Fabianski wouldn't be matched with Mawson, for example, to try to find over the course of the season, simulating every single match, how many points on average a goalkeeper would have got if he was paired with a defender. And you're right, a 4.5 goalkeeper had a high average yield of points per million um, when matched with a more expensive, in this case, defender than a premium goalkeeper got. Matched with a cheaper defender from a side like Swansea, so so you know De Gea matched with me scored beneath what Fabianski matched with Valencia would have gotten you last season. So according to the stats, you're right, and it looks like the 4.5 goalkeeper in terms of Patricio is probably the way forward. I mean, have I mean, you looked at look Fabianski though? I mean, he was top of your points per cost metric, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I have looked at Fabianski. Obviously, they've signed Fabianski, so you would expect him to be the number one because they were looking at goalkeepers last year and thought they might have the answer with Joe Hart at one point. Uh, But I think um, West Ham... I don't know about owning a West Ham goalkeeper. They were the worst defence in the Premier League last season in terms of goals conceded alongside Stoke. That means plenty of saves for Fabianski. He was um, a popular pick for many last season. He was top for the points per value for goalkeepers and for all positions actually with a 34.89 points per value for the season, which was uh, pretty brilliant. And at 4.5, you know, he's very good value. But West Ham's fixtures are also just as bad as Wolves. They've got a really tough start. Um, with Liverpool and, and it just it's just not great for them. I think I prefer the Patricio to Fabianski if I was to compare the two.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean with that but at the same time I guess with a 4.5 goalkeeper it's sort of about the fixtures but I think your main currency is saved so Fabianski last season uh, got 4.1 saves per game but at the same time you got to wonder whether that happens but I guess the reality is that a quality keeper does make a big difference and I mean Patricio got 22 clean sheets playing for Sporting Lisbon we've run points per cost data haven't we for this year's prices versus last year's performances and one guy who really came through I mean the injured Nick Pope aside is is Matt Ryan Um he kept 10 clean sheets last season, they had an average of 3.26 uh, saves per game. So basically you had three points per game from owning Matt Ryan. The same with, was true with Fabianski. The issue is, is that obviously clean sheets are something that I prefer no matter what. And I think with De Gea, that's what you get. You get clean sheets. Like, all right, last season, there is truth in the fact that he kept more clean sheets than he normally would. I think it was like the 25% more clean sheets than the average of the last three seasons with 19. However, like, you know, having him in and the fact that there are many Man United fans in the world, and I think that the fact that fact means that Man Knights defense own more than anybody else. People look at what's on offer and think, well, David De Gea is the best goalkeeper. I mean, you've got Mourinho moaning and et cetera, et cetera. But it's not the case that United are going to have suddenly a, a terrible, terrible start to the season and lose every game 3-0 like reductive, absurd and that's not going to happen like the more you look at it, you think well you have my curiosity but now you've got my attention because of last season's exploits and because this season although well, the start is okay owning a man nice defender is probably going to be very very important I think that's something we learned last season and I think De Gea is the golden ticket into the lottery of that defense because we honestly have no idea who's going to start do we?
0: I understand the appeal of De Gea and why you're thinking about him. He's one of those players which you could say is he's better than safe. It's fixture-proof for De Gea. Um, the stats uh, for him are just brilliant. I mean, 82.1% save percentage, which is uh, much higher than any other uh, goalkeeper that played every game um, in the league. I think uh, Nick Pope was the second closest to him with 77%. And he managed um, 116 saves over the course of the season. And I think we mentioned that Edson had half that, and I pod at 58 even though they basically kept the same amount of clean sheets and that 116 saves was actually a record for De Gea over the seven seasons that he's been at the club. I think Marino, um, he was obviously desperate to buy another central defender and I wonder if that will harm rather than help De Gea in a, in a funny sort of way because with the goalkeeper if there's a proper central defender you know like Harry Maguire heading every ball that comes into the box then De Gea is probably going to make a few less saves which will probably mean less points for him potentially
1: even if there are a couple more clean sheets I definitely get that I, I think the big goalkeepers though the case is not um, that they get a lot of saves I mean last year just I think you, you mentioned the save stats for De Gea 115 that's 39% more than he got in the last three years combined right and I think that you know last season he got 100 so season four last he got 136 points Last season got 172 points. That was ridiculous for a goalkeeper. Ridiculous 172. It put him in the top twenty for players in terms of points scored. And I don't think we're gonna see that again. And we are gonna see a little bit of regression with De Gea. But the fact is that 130 to 140 points for your goalkeeper is absolutely brilliant. The caveat here that's important is that actually what I'm doing is going to be wildcarding fairly early. I think I'm going to be wildcarding by you know, game week five. We have the international break game week four to five, don't we? And this year we have a lot of players who are going to be coming back potentially from internationally induced holiday You know, game week two game week three, and I think things are going to change a lot from that point. So I'm almost going with the tried and trusted with De Gea because I know that A, I know United's defense is very well covered. B, I know that De Gea is probably the the one nailed person in that Magnite's defense. And the fixtures are okay the first five, they've got Leicester, Bryce and Spurs, Burnley and Watford. But I'm looking to potentially change him on for whoever's looking like they're nailed in that nice defence a little bit later on. But early doors, you know, De Gea is nailed. But I guess that same argument also applies to Edison, doesn't it, Nick? And he's been in a lot of teams too.
0: Yeah, I think so. Edison's obviously definitely nailed within the Manchester City um, uh, defence. I think with the rest of the defence, it's all a little bit up in the air. A lot of people, like myself, are looking at Benjamin Mendy as the uh, the best option left back for Manchester City but I think with the rest of their defence the central defensive pair is is very much up in the air with four top quality central defenders yeah, to fit into two slots essentially the full backs like I mentioned Mendy and then you've got Kyle Walker who should be nailed on for the right back slot but whether he's back at the beginning of the season he's also a lot more expensive he's uh, 6.5 compared to to 5.5 for Edison so I think a lot of people looking at Edison thinking he's actually um, relatively good value though going for um, a Manchester City goalkeeper is kind of the same as the idea of having Alisson as their goalkeeper it fills up as one of your free Manchester City slots much like Alisson will fill up one of your free Liverpool slots and if you're wanting the likes of Aguero you're looking at Mares, who's, who's unfortunately injured now you're looking at Sane you're looking at some of the uh, Manchester City defence you, you can't have all those players in your team and it's going to be the same with Liverpool if you're looking at Salah and Robertson if you've then you won't be able to have Firmino or Mane if they suddenly hit into yeah. form. So I think that's that's the that's the other danger of going for a. Um goalkeeper from a uh, top club is it does fill up one of your slots which could be filled up by a cheaper goalkeeper though looking at Manchester United I don't think anyone's particularly thinking about tripling up with them at the moment so you might be fine with De Gea for a short while at least.
1: Yeah that's exactly it I mean it is a third best option in the case of Liverpool and Man City having your third slot being taken up by the keeper. Edison, there's definitely a case that game week two to seven we, we keep talking about this I'm talking about this a lot on Twitter but it's definitely worth looking at. Ben quellen as you mentioned on the last pod has anointed this the best sequence of fixtures of any team throughout this season so in game weeks two and seven they've got Huddersfield, Wolves, Newcastle, Fulham, Cardiff and Brighton so they play the newly promoted club this season and the newly promoted clubs last season all in the space of six game weeks that is ridiculous um, and you have Edison you know who could feasibly get you six points every week Maybe that's the constant that you're looking for. And the same with Alisson. I mean, the first kind of four fixtures, at least, for, for Liverpool are very good. West Ham, Crystal Palace, Bryson and Leicester. I mean, there's a misconception Liverpool aren't very good at the back. That's not true. They are very good at the back. And they were second for clean sheets last season behind Man City, weren't they, Nick? Compared to that, you've got Man United. And without speaking too pejoratively, I don't think there's anyone really waxing lyrical about Man United's attacking assets, thinking, you know what, I've got to cover their attack. The key for Man United does tend to be that defence. I mean, last year, obviously, there were four nils early on in the season, which definitely helped them. I don't think that's going to happen this year. But equally, I think that a lot of less engaged managers aren't going to be thinking about that. And they're going to be thinking, I want to get the best goalkeeper or the best defenders from the team that I support. I'm more than ha- happy to have a Mendy in at that point for Man City rather than an Edison and taking that risk. That an outfall player is going to do something, especially with, with what Mendy offers, which again we'll speak about in a second. And the same with Liverpool, like, you know, I'll have Robertson, I'll have Salah, do I want Alison or do I want to take a gamble on penalty taker, it seems like Marne or uh, Roberto Firmino? I'm gonna want probably Marne or Firmino. I should we move on to defenders then, Nick? Okay, um so
0: we're gonna start by talking a little bit about um going big at the back and it's something you're probably sick of me talking on about. So yeah, talk talking about some some of the five point five million pound defenders on offer, you've got Patrick Van Aanholt, he was actually uh, third for goal attempts last season with 33, um, just behind Moses and Alonso. You've got like Sir Harry Maguire as well, um, whether he stays at Leicester's, uh, a little bit up in the air at the moment. But he was another, you know, very offensive defender. He scored two goals, got 30, um, took 30 shots as well.
1: Yeah, he was and, top, um, top for the bonus as well. And if
0: he, if he goes to Manchester United, he might be the best way of into that Manchester United defence, especially if he can uh, nail down one of the uh, central defensive slots. Um, there's plenty of other options out there. I think um, the main, I think Cresswell as well, I mentioned he got. He obviously plays for West Ham, which um, might put a lot of people off because West Ham haven't been that impressive defensively over the last couple of seasons. But he actually managed to get seven assists last season. You know, he he outscored the likes of Oatesall. So I think there's obviously mileage in owning these sorts of players and fitting them into your squads.
1: Uh, absolutely, I think we saw with the points per cost stuff that actually defenders do tend to return a lot uh, relevant to their price. And as you said, you know, like owning Seamus Coleman at five point five versus owning, uh, you know, serri or owning uh, owning Lukman or owning Morales at five point five. It definitely feels like it's worth having a defender there, especially if they've got an attacking bent to them. Um, I, I think uh, the, the kind of premium defenders are the ones which always pop through in terms of having in terms of when, whenever we've looked at value for money Nick and we've looked at it compared to last season's prices and your piece and this week we'll have a piece on um, value for money in terms of last season's performance and this year's prices like the amount of time we've been doing that we have seen that premium defends have come out on top by a long way because of the fact that they return a lot more Um, I mean there's obviously a couple of examples where it doesn't quite work Um, so last season Robertson for example doesn't feature in the top 10 for defenders in terms of points per cost over the course of the season you know, it's an average and for a lot of the start of the season for, you know Alberto Moreno was playing but in the last 10 games for example he came alive and four out of his five assists and he was top for a big chance to create it in that time period but You know, a lot of his productivity was during that time. It's the same with Ben Mendy, who you mentioned earlier. I mean, I mentioned this stat a few times, but 1.6 crosses per game for Monaco, five assists in 25 games. You know, he's the specialist left back signed at huge expense by Pep Guardiola to fit into his system, to feed those balls along the six-yard box for City's tapping merchants. And if he's fit, you know, there's a clean sheet potentially there because of how good a Man City's defense is but potential for attacking points is very high with these sorts of players and um, so even those who haven't got like a proven track record you can still look at them and think well there may be something in there and I think you know Azpi and Alonso is another really good example so, so in terms of their price it like Aspi hasn't changed despite scoring 40 points more than somebody such as Willie Ann, who got a price hike, whereas Aspi stayed the same. Alonso's taken 0.5 price drop. Uh, in terms of points per cost, they're both like far and away the best defenders in terms of points per value. Um, you've know, you got Davies you've got Monreal you've got Otamendi uh, making up the top five but Aspir Alonso are the two who are very very high up in there and I think that you can probably get a lot from making sure that you've got the right kind of expensive defenders Yeah
0: Chelsea I think um, they're one of those teams that you always want to cover their defence I looked at them and for five of the last six seasons we've actually seen Chelsea defenders in the highest scoring team of the year and five Chelsea defenders out of the last six for the two most recent campaigns I kind of want to have a Chelsea defender but this particular year I feel like it's completely up in the air of the new manager Alonso and Moses were their shots on goal in terms of uh, defenders last season Alonso had an unbelievable 65 attempts Uh, Moses was second with 35 and now you you kind of wonder if both are even going to start how Aspie's going to fit into the model as well not necessarily a bad thing play right back because he's not really um, the right height for a proper central defender is he so I think it'd be interesting to see what happens with those guys. I think um, in terms of going back to formation, I'm going to try and fit at least three 5.5 plus defenders into my team. I might even be tempted by a fourth. The likes of Robertson the 6.0 is nailed on for me. Then I'm looking at the likes of PVA, Ben Davis,
1: and Mendy. Yeah, we've got to say babies, haven't we?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think there's there's flexibility there as well because if it suddenly becomes essential to own a Manchester United or Chelsea defender due to the, the strong run of uh, one of their premium assets, or a, you know a good fixture run or, you know, they're getting lots of clean sheets, then I can easily swap out one of the other defenders and bring one of those guys in.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting is apart from, uh, as per the question from Alonso, Otamendi, Walker and Valencia are the only ones that have been given the 6.5. Apart from that, a lot of the kind of premium defenders and mostly Spurs, I might add, have been priced en masse at 6.0. That's actually a really good opportunity for FPL managers because it means that basically what you can do is you can look at whoever you interpret as being the best option, buy them very early on in the season, and you've got the luxury of swapping between them. So, you know, it's not working out with Robertson. Van Dijk is scoring get van Dyke. I think it's actually very kindly priced almost in terms of the return that we're expecting. You made a good point about the, the
0: Spurs defenders. There's actually seven of them that are priced at 6.0 um, this season, which is slightly ridiculous. But Going down in price, you've actually got some decent um, options still for the premium clubs at 5.5 and 5.0, depending on who actually starts. Um, you know, Luke Shaw for Manchester United, he's only 5.0. There's the likes of uh, Lovren and Alexander-Arnold, who are also priced at 5.0. So if they can nail down their slots, they might be decent coverage for Liverpool. You've got um, Kalasinac at Arsenal. If he fits into Emery's model, then he, he could be a great pick. And you've also got the likes of uh, Phil Jones and company, um, other great assets like Baye and you know all at 5.5 you know very good value if if these guys play every week and you you can't see these top teams rotating the defenders every week they're going to pick their two best central
1: defenders and eventually we'll know for each of the top team who the two best central defenders are it kind of feels like through the points per value stuff we can see that having kind of three or four top value defenders is probably a good thing going forward because you've got that level of consistent output by players that you're investing in terms of midfield that's a low amount in terms of attack that's why you're doing it just get a 4.5 amount but in defense investing 5.5 upwards seems to be quite a decent idea just because you you get the other side of it don't you almost where you know you're looking for scalps in terms of scoring points and that's a place where you can get those scalps
0: Yeah, for sure. Sometimes when we talk about defence, people criticise, criticise, criticise. But I I think there are definite options and there's the flexibility there. And I think it is worth going big at the back, as I've said many times. Should we move on to the mid-range options, going now down to 5.0 and then moving on also to the 4.5 million defenders. I mentioned, obviously, that you still have a few options at premium clubs, like the likes of Lovren. I think Alexander-Arnold might be a brilliant pick as well at 5.0. There's also the likes of uh, Klein and... Gomez who might compete for that slot which is the risk if you want um, a nailed on option though if you obviously you're thinking about rotation and having a player that's definitely going to play each week you've got the likes of Lascelles at Newcastle and your Burnley assets as well and I know you you were thinking about having them um, either Benmi or Tarko in your team at one point as well because Burnley have some decent fixtures that they were you know top-notch defensively last season as well weren't they?
1: Yeah, they were. I and mean, um, Ben Me is probably the one that I go for, just because, you know, we've burned the RA unit, as we said in that particular pod. Uh, the thing is is that Ben Me was in the in the top in the top ten uh for attempts on goal. He had twenty-five attempts on goal, twenty-four in the box, and uh Gordon preseason as well. And he offers that particular kind of goal threat on top of the the BPS. But if they don't keep a clean sheet, you know, at least you've got some sort of semblance of goal threat. I mean, there's nothing really in the in the five point zero, is they really? I mean there's there's Michael Keane. Um, who you're hoping is going to recapture his form at Burnley. You've got uh, Sean Morrison, who scored eight goals um, for Cardiff in the Championship. A big lump of a player who's going to be the main beneficiary of Warnut doing set pieces. Um, But it's quite a difficult bracket, isn't it? I mean, the the 4.5 is probably where people are looking at. They're probably thinking, well, if I can't afford to have a, a a, six, a five point something or other, you're going to be looking for some sort of cover. I think that good example of this is uh, James Tompkins. So, Tompkins is, was the highest scoring in terms of points per game last season for 4.5 uh, defenders. 54% of his points last season were appearance points, which is the lowest amount in the top 10 for last season uh, of points proportionate to appearance. But James Tompkins last season uh, got 3.54 points per game despite uh, only playing 26 games, uh, which is a very positive positive thing and it's interesting in terms of palace and I think it's something that we've only kind of realized after we've done the first pod that you've got Tompkins you've got PVA you've got Sacco to a lesser extent and you've got Obi-Wan Bissaka all sitting there in the defense and you know if you're not looking at PVA there's a case to look at Tompkins and think well you know what this lag probably likely is to score the most in terms of points per game but you look at the fact that he's 4.5 and Wan Bissaka who looks like he is going to be playing is 4.0 then I think that actually I can deal with the fact that Wan-Bissaka was likely to score slightly less points per game because he and Tompkins probably offer the same thing. I mean, it is a 4.0, and you've got to be wondering how serious you are about having a 4.0 and hoping they play. But in terms of early season, I'm serious as a heart attack that I think that Wan-Bissaka might be in a lot of game week one squads. And I think that he may be one of those players who, for whatever reason, is like an FPL engage manager pick almost because of that particular fact that he is showing up in preseason. It would be an epic, epic troll if uh, if Hodgson decided to play Ward in in the Premier League.
0: Looking at Tomkins, I think he is a very good pick. He scored three goals last season, which obviously a great return. He had twenty-three shots and he had he actually had thirteen headed goal attempts, so he's pretty deadly in the air and i think um, there's a few decent options in that price bracket there's also the likes of steve cook i know you've looked at him he said that he had 23 um, goal attempts as well last yeah, season 11
1: um, for all defenders yeah you
0: know, very very impressive and then there's also uh, duncan duffy uh, you know only one goal between them last season but I know, 50 55 uh, goal attempts between the two of them which is obviously very impressive duffy actually made 24 headed goal attempts um, more than any other defender, which is um, unbelievable that he didn't actually manage to to score. But Brighton have um, some pretty uh, tricky fixtures. I think um, there's also your man Cedric. Um, a lot of people talked about him as an option. Um, he's uh, He was also quite attacking last season with 23 goal attempts. He also created 24 chances. He put into the box 137 crosses. Unfortunately, Southampton still don't seem to have a number nine that can actually put it into the back of their net. But... He's, uh, he's definitely another option at 4.5. And I think, you know, there is room in people's teams for 4.5 million defender. I think it's something people definitely need to think about, how, how they're going to model their defence. If they're going to go cheap and just go for 4.5s, then the likes of, uh, you know, you, you're, you're kind of a little bit bereft of options, to be honest, but the likes of Cedric should be up there in terms of who you look at. But then I think for wambasaka Saka. If he is nailed on, he's a great option. I've actually got him in my team as well just because he's 4.0. and it frees up a little bit of cash. Um so at the moment I'm obliging him. But you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he uh, actually nails down that slot. Or if not, he can be a, he can just be a um, you know, fifteenth man in the squad bench warmer until I get around to wildcarding.
1: Yeah, that's the beauty of him, isn't it? Because uh, you know, they've got fulham game week one and you know, you've got the the Roy Hodgson effect. Uh, where you have very kind of organised teams and you average out about seven or eight clean sheets a season underneath Roy Hodgson, which is pretty good for that kind of mid-range kind of value. Um, If you've got Wan-Bissaka there, I mean, Crystal Palace's fixtures are pretty damn good, actually. They've got Fulham, they've got Liverpool, and they've got a very, very good run between game weeks three and eight, where they don't play any of the top six teams. Within that time, if Wan-Bissaka is playing, he's doing well, between game weeks three and eight, uh, you'd expect, you know, two or three clean sheets and maybe some sort of attacking involvement from him perhaps even if the case is that he's just showing up that's doing the same as having a 4.5 defender generally um, i think that could be very very strong um, as you said it frees up a little bit of space frees up a little bit of uh, a little bit of cash to get things done and you, you may well see some price rises out of the fact that if people haven't gone with uh one have gone somewhere else then they realize there's this four who is playing one to keep an eye on during pre season, I think that could be very, very strong. And um, you mentioned Cedric, Um, Cedric is probably one who's been in and out of my, t- of my team an awful lot. Like, he hasn't come back from holiday quite yet. Uh, but it's almost like the Cole Norton effects with him, like, he's got no real competition uh, at right back or right wing back, however, Hughes is playing him um and throughout the course of you know the end of last season he was on a different level like he actually did seem to show up um which is probably a bit rare for him like we've noticed throughout the course of the last few seasons that his stats in terms of crossing was quite good in the confines of game weeks twenty-eight to thirty-eight of the last ten fixtures last season, Cedric actually uh, created four big chances and uh, created ten chances overall. Uh, top three uh, for big chances created, which is pretty damn ridiculous. So if if kind of Southampton come out the blocks, they got Burnley, Everton, Leicester, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. Um, if they come out of the blocks, especially in those home games, that could be very, very good. Um, having a, having an attacking win back at the back, that's a, it's an interesting one. I think one that will kind of develop as the season kind of beds in. Okay, let's take a break there, Nick, and then we move on to the uh, midfield in just a second. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? We're back and
0: um, it's time to move on to the midfielders. And when you talk about midfielders, you've, you've got to start with Mo Salah, the £13 million man this, um, this season. He was obviously freakishly impressive last season. He's already impressing in the preseason, having scored in um, a sort 30-minute of cameo just straight away. Um, he was 49.7% ownership, but just tonight he's now breached to 50%. And no, the season, hasn't, season hasn't even started yet, which is ridiculous and, and for me I think um, for game week one you have to armband him as well. West Ham at home who conceded 68 goals last season. Salah actually managed to free goals and an assist against them as well. Um, we have a chance every 20.3 minutes uh, last season. You, ju- you just have to fancy him, don't you, Tom?
1: Yeah, you do. I mean, we're at 1.56 million total players at the moment. I think we're going to get up to six. And I think that Solar's ownership is going to probably tip towards 60%. And I know that it's boring. I know that it's not very cool to be owning a player that everybody owns. But in this case, it's absolutely know warranted i mean i spoke about the 23 missed big chances last season which is double the the big chances missed at least of the top scoring players from the last couple of seasons we've actually done some more research on mo salah if anybody ever has done any more research on mo salah so compared to bobby Firmino and sadio mane and the fab three in terms of salah's first two goals you could cover nine of them, 28% by owning Bobby and Mane. You could cover six of Salah's 11 assists, which is 43% by having the other guys who are scoring. If this was last season, obviously, you'd cover a third of Salah's points, um, 34.88% through owning Mane and Firmino. Salah scored 27 more offensive points than Firmino and Mane combined. That's mental. You've got to be looking at it thinking, well, if a player is that damn good, you've got to be buying them. I know I know that you know, there's a contrarian kind of sense about it that you're like, oh, you know, everybody's doing it. I'm not going to do it. In this case, you know, FPL is a cruel mistress, we say it. On Monday, the 13th of August, you, you don't want to be thinking oh I've got to wake up and apologize for the fact that I've gone without Mo Salah it's just one of those things that it just seems like it's going to be inevitable that a lot of people are going to own them and any fact that we show it just underlines what a ridiculous season he had and how well he may do everything that we know now all the tangible kind of facts that we've got show that owning Mo Salah is a good idea despite the fact that you know you've got Sadio Mane scoring penalties I still think that Mo Salah is probably where you're going to go and having him thinking he's going to be your captain choice is probably also very important here, just because that impacts how you choose your other players, doesn't it, Nick?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think if you do own him, you're going to captain him. And I think some people will be tempted to break that meta and go without him and attempt to cover but the likes of um, Sadio Mane, and um, saving £3.5 million in the, in the process, which will afford you the likes of or Bami yang and kane as well up front later on, but for me it's um it's too high risk a strategy I think you just you just have to cover him it's, i mean every 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 stat just says by Solar, you know six sixty six shots on target, which is more than any player second was actually Eriksen with thirty nine I mean solar's a total b m f isn't he
1: absolutely absolutely i- I can't, I can't see passing him and moving on from him i think What is interesting now is that Man City, how we approach Man City in terms of the midfielders and in terms of the strikers is dictated a lot by Mo Salah. Um, FPL guidance, for example, pointed out the fact if you're in Salah, you're going to captain it. Um, So that means that to some extent, the Man City players that you do buy, which, you know, Game 2-7 I've just mentioned earlier, ridiculous so you're going to want some Man City players and to be honest there is some scope to for being happy with a supporting cast almost Man City like if you own Sergio Aguero you know you've always got that chance as we said in the last pod that Jesus is going to play so you've got a mixture of you know Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Mares, Sana, Bernardo Silva and David Silva or Bilver and Dilver as we're going to call them from now on and Sterling too it's almost the case that actually you you plan around Salah so you say right i'm going to captain Salah maybe i don't actually want Khenegre because i'm not going to be not captaining Mo Salah because of the price as it is i'm only if i'm carrying Salah i'm captaining Khenegre yeah okay like later on in the season that's a great idea early on in the season staying with the herd actually in playing the numbers fpl connect said in his block is probably the best way of doing it so the supporting cast is very important and what's interesting about man city nick is that five of the six top points per cost last season compared to this season's prices were man city players um sterling despite the fact he's now 11.0 held on to second place And it's worth mentioning Raheem Sterling a little bit because last season he scored 18 goals, 17 assists... He was second uh, to Mo Salah for big chances. He got 26 big chances compared to uh, 43 for Mo Salah. And he was also, uh, for the second year, running the top for FPL assists, which is obviously an interesting kind of alternative point stream. But 11.0, a lot of people looked at him, that's a bit of a knee-jerk price. But equally, I think that he could probably show up. I mean, you mentioned just a second ago, actually, in the break, that he was, what, 3% owned or something like that? Because we're all busy looking at know David Silva, Bernardo Silva, uh, Sana apparently is tired through too many steins when he was off (laughs) on holiday. But trying to fit in the Man City players is going to be an interesting kind of place, especially when Raheem Sterling's back and is probably likely to play, despite the fact that the World Cup wasn't that good. Um, What do you think? With Manchester City
0: midfield, you're obviously going to want to cover them, but I think there's going to be a lot of stressing about the pet roulette um, over those game week two to seven, and I think that's a fact. You're, you're going to be shouting what at the Twitter multiple times, aren't you, when your favourite attacking midfielder's is missing for that game against Huddersfield and Bernardo Silva plays once again. And you'll be saying what so many times that Sarah will just be saying, say what one more time, just say it one more time. <laughs> that that, that fit, I think that being said, I'm in total agreement about the requirement for coverage i, I did have morris as my selection or but you know bernardo silva did impress me. he scored a brace um, but for me i'm i'm looking at um, for a 9.5 million there's two players i'm looking at i think it's a choice between mr blue mr sky blues in leroy sane and mr white in christian Eriksson. i think ideally my um, my ultimate target will be kdb but he's um, cuz he's going to actually be most immune to uh, to the rotation absolutely and, uh, I think um, what frustrates – hes obviously potentially not going to start the season though as well. But what frustrated me last season was how deep he played um, at points when we ha- when we sort of did the eye test. But I did um, have a little bit, a little bit of a look at his uh, touch heat map, and it's actually very similar to Ericsson. He was sort of fully focused in the attacking half of the pitch. Um, less so in the box, but it was the attack and half to pitch where he'll create his chances. And he had 910 successful passes in the final third, which I think is going to lead to plenty more assists for KDB. Obviously, he got more assists than any other player. I think he was around 21 last season. But he was also, in terms of goals, people don't think of KDB for goal threat, but he actually um, made more attempts than any other City player last season. Um, even more than uh, Raheem Sterling. He only uh, made 94 attempts on goal compared to Sterling's 87. Only um, Eriksen with 97 and Salah with 144 made more goal attempts.
1: Yeah, what's interesting about KDB actually is the uh, this is getting into high geekdom, which I guess is what you're listening to who got this as four, <laughs> But uh, what's interesting about uh, KDB is actually the portion of big chances to his attempts. So only four of KDB's total 94 attempts were a big chance which is absolutely ridiculous. It just kind of shows the fact that he and uh, Ericsson, by the way, was very similar. So only six of his 97 attempts were big chances. It just shows that these guys are taking the pot shots. And if those you know, start to fly in, you get the assist potential with the fact that they're creators. You've got the idea of multiple point streams for a 10.0 player. Now, the fact he's still 10.0 is pretty damn cool. But you've got the potential for one of those long shots to go in. You've got the potential for an assist to happen, and you've got the potential for bonus if either of those occurs. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes that are going to be on the charity slash community shield, but he just looks like an absolute no-brainer. And I can't see past having him in your game with one team. He is playing in that community shield if he is back and looking likely to go. For the second season in Hironic, 10.0, I'd pay that. I'd pay the 0.5 extra on Sane to get him in.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like I said, he is the most immune to rotation in that City squad. I can't see him being rotated at all, to be honest. Um, Pep's already said that David Silva's minutes are going to be managed a little bit more next season, but it's unlikely that De Bruyne is... Uh, minutes are going to be managed because he's still very young, um, and I think with the the wingers, obviously there's the like of Sane, Maria, Sterling, Bernardo, Silva. There's going to be plenty of rotation there. Kun and um, Jesus are probably going to be rotated too as part of that front three. But you just can't see Kevin De Bruyne um, really being rotated that much because no, you know, he's, he's that essential to the team. The reason those other guys are scoring so many many goals and uh, getting so many chances is because of the. Uh, the chances he's creating, which are 105, like we said.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I just just want to say something about Bernardo Silva a little bit because, I mean, he's 7.5 and I know that, um, you know, one of the very first teams I made had Bernardo Bernardo Silva in, um, wagering that there's a few players who aren't going to be coming back in time and he may get kind of the first kind of few games. Um, With is now uh, looking like he may be crocked at the start of the season, 7.5, Bernardo Silva... I mean, his stats last season were okay i mean 20 25 attempts seven big chances he had a shot every 60 minutes and he was obviously a, a, your big target for uh the how points per 90 is a bit of a misnomer <laughs> um but but the fact is that at 7.5 of bernardo silva if he plays what six 5.5 five of the seven games at 7.5 i mean those games are so good that if he plays five of seven of those like you know, you're probably gonna get the points yield of a player of the same price who plays every single game. Sometimes I think we definitely put a lot of stock in players who are gonna play every game. But with Bernardo Silver, I think there is something there to say that, yeah, okay, I'm gonna be spending two million less than buying Sana. I'm gonna have Bilva, he may not start every game, but if he is on the field, with those fixtures being so good, he's gonna return points. Um I think there's definitely something there because you can use that 2 million to make sure you've got a decent bench or make sure, you know, whatever, 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 that you've got investment elsewhere. Um, but having Bernardo Silva and maybe KDB as you're pairing for the city midfield, maybe, you know, with Mendy or maybe with Laporte, if he's looking like he's starting, is looking like the way forward. Like, you know, my strategy at the start of the season, uh, Nick, is uh, you—it's to major on Man City. Just go for it. And with all these injuries going on at the moment, I kind of think that maybe that's going to mean a lot of people zig and look at kind of having Mane, having Eriksen, as you've just mentioned. If I zag and say, right, I'm going to have Bernardo Silva, I'm going to have uh, Kevin De Bruyne for game weeks, you know, game week one or right, Arsenal, bit of a smoke screen. Two to seven. I'm going to own those guys. I'm going to have Mendy. I'm going to have three Man City players. And I think the yield in terms of points can be very, very high from having three Man City representatives. And I think that Bernardo Silva actually does offer something. Um, I also think that Raheem Sterling perhaps um, is an option for the wild card that I'm probably going to be playing in game week five. Before we move on from Man City, Nick, what are your views on that?
0: I'm actually thinking of obviously having Aguero as my forward and, and Mendy as a defender. So perhaps only one midfielder, be that Sane or um, KDB. And I think that much depends on, on what happens in the community shield. We're going to know who's who's playing, who's likely to start the season. At the moment, it's a little bit up in the air. You know, like we said, Bernardo Silva might even get some minutes, and he might present himself as a, a decent option. There's always David Silva as well, who might be a good. Good pick at the start of the season, he's slightly cheaper, 8.5. I think there's definitely mileage in owning and tripling up on Manchester City from week one going forward.
1: It sounds like to me that you're waiting a little bit just to see what what kind of settles there. Um, In terms of other premium uh, midfielders, Eden Hazard, 10.5. If he's still at Chelsea, every year I think we look at his stats, we exult in the fact that he only takes shots, he thinks he's going to score like. His chance creation rate is very high. His attempts to conversion is very high, and ten point five with a very decent start to the season. A few people are mentioning him as being kind of a bit of a wild card pick, almost with Huddersfield, Arsenal, Newcastle, Bolton, and uh, uh, Huddersfield, Arsenal, Newcastle, Bournemouth, and Cardiff uh, being the first five for Chelsea, which are actually pretty damn good fixtures. um I don't know about um, about Hazard. It's almost like he he and uh, Alexis Sanchez, uh, who's the other one that a lot of people are mentioning, obviously Man United uh, uh, telegra- uh, through Mourinho telegraphing the uh, the, the starting uh, starting lineup for game week one. And those two players are players who potentially aren't as high in people's thoughts at the moment um, but are potentially players who will be able to return commensurate to their value throughout the course of the season. Are you interested in either of these guys Nick? I mean they're not the highest owned at the moment in terms of uh, overall team selection. Both are titans of seasons past
0: um, Eden Hazard he, he always passes the test always gets the man of the match he, he's also on penalties for Chelsea supposedly he might stay he's um, being tempted by you know he is obviously Chelsea's attacking talisman, their best player, and and he's great. But you know he has burned me many times as well in the past, and I can't see you know putting Hazard in my team alongside Salah, alongside you know a couple of Manchester City attacking assets. How I'm going to fit all these guys into my team, and I just I just don't think there's space or mileage for the likes of Hazard. Or Sanchez in my in my team. Instead, of, I think if I'm going to look at Manchester United coverage in the midfield, I prefer Pogba, who's only eight point zero, and he he's much more reasonably priced.
1: Yeah, I guess you can't have them all, can you? Like, It's the same with Mane. I mean, Mane has scored a couple of penalties. Um, he's 9.5 and a lot of people are looking at him and Salah as being a double up in the midfield. Very good in terms of the Liverpool um, fixtures. The thing is, if you have uh, Robertson, you've got Salah. What do I want to do with that kind of Mane slash Sana slot? And I probably want Sana there because of the Man City fixtures being that tiny bit better than Liverpool's. But let's start moving down... So I think there's a few
0: um, interesting, slightly alternative options, not necessarily players that are going to be nailed on. I think if you're going to be talking about the zombie team and, and then Pascal Gross will be the ultimate choice at 7.0, um, being the talisman of, of Brighton, you know, creating 82 chances up there with the likes of um, Ericsson and uh, Hazard. Um, for chances created 16 big chances which was uh, joint second in the league um, you know he, he was great last season and I think I'm surprised really that the top club hasn't really gone for him or tried to snap him up because I think he's still very good value at 7.0 um, there's a few sort of alternative options which i've been sort of flirting with as you could say um you know the likes of lucas mora for instance uh, been he's only 7.0 and he's uh, he's looked really good actually in the preseason for spurs never really got the chance to shine last season but um with um, a few Spurs players missing at the beginning of the season, like Sasson's going off to the Asian games after game week one. I think Lucas Moore is um, a player that's potentially going to start in game, in game week one. His rival for the slot, Lamella is is probably going to beat him for the position. I think Lamella's injured as well. So he's definitely won. Um, There's, I was looking at Martial, but it seems like he 's had a massive fallout with um, Marino now as well over with I think he returned for the he returned for the birth of the baby, and then Marino said he should have returned already now because the baby was born with no issues, which I think was a bit heartless to be honest
1: The fact is I think within this particular price range, when you go down towards that level we 've done a lot of work on talisman haven 't we in pre season. And uh, I think the, the key finding of the talisman kind of theory investigation we did um, was that the third or fourth midfielder is that kind of player, that player who's going to be scoring for their team, which is more likely than not to be a mid-price team. So Riyad Mahrez, Jadon Shakiri, Pascal Gross, both the last two that you mentioned, Aaron Moy, Marko um They're all players who are going to be scoring the majority of the points for that team. Uh, we've got Talisman 2 now. A ridiculously mind-blowing finding of that was that if you'd have played the 6-7.5 to 7.5 midfielder bracket, which is kind of the bracket, which obviously Pogba's at 8, but if you played that kind of third midfielder, fourth midfielder bracket perfectly last season, you could have scored 246 points. So you could have had Gross there for game weeks 1-9, to nine, moved to Shaqiri for 10-15, to 15, Analtovich 16 to 23, Shakiri 24 to 31, and had Analtovich at the end of the season. That would have scored more points than any other player other than Mosala. So that just kind of shows the value of a talisman and it shows that we should be really looking at this particular area. You know, you. Think of seasons past, Josh King, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Riyad Mahrez, Aaron Ramsey. Looking at this particular spot and really looking to see what the trends are and what players are really coming through, what brilliant fixtures there are and playing fast and loose with them. So saying, you know what? I'm going to have at the start of the season, I'm going to take a punt that maybe, you know, Richarlison is going to do very, very well with uh, Wolves, Southampton, Bournemouth, Huddersfield and West Ham, the first five. Then I'm going to swap to somebody else. Then you move to, you know, uh, Mkhitaryan at 7.0, who then has uh, Everton, Watford, Fulham, Leicester and Crystal Palace and so on and so forth. I mean, obviously, perfection is something that we can look at retrospectively with the help of Captain Hindsight. But if you play, play that spot, at least kind of close to optimum you can get a lot of points um you can get a lot of points Uh, you can do really really well i think that would be an interesting place um going forward to just monitor and see which players are coming through um, who can give you a lot of uh, value for money
0: yeah, definitely. I think you made some really good points there. Um, move, moving on to 6.5 million midfielders, there's an article on our website, actually, where we talk about how it's a crowded house. Um, and you've, you've produced um, a little graph, or our designer Matt Brewer has as well, to, to accompany the article. And I think you've, I've seen you've collected some heads as well, haven't you, Tom? So um, top top of that was uh, Jota, Mr Orange, and he's, he's definitely someone that I'm actually looking at Um, having in my team next season um, 17 goals, five assists... For Wolves last season, he's playing very attacking, um, seems to be leading the line in some of their pre-season matches. I think he can play in multiple positions to number 10, false nine. He can cut from the left flank and he's going to be nailed on in that Wolves team. And we talk about talismans. He's potentially going to be a talisman for Wolves next season. Um, Definitely someone that I'm uh, potentially going to own from game week one, though. I'm not certain still about doubling up on on Wolves. Otherwise, actually, surprisingly, um in the graph bottom of the uh, points per game for the 6.5 million panels was um, a very popular pick following his move and as for charles he only had a 3.91 points per game and we, we did some analysis actually on richarlison um is something called the selfish um, midfielder metric um which was basically looking at the um, the amount of shots taken by a by a midfielder compared to the chances they created and richarlison was a um, joint second um, sorry, not joint second. He was the second most selfish midfielder in the game, which I guess it's not a surprise um, for people who look at the numbers and follow the stats uh, because of the amount of. Because he was very much a bonus foe, because he doesn't pass to his teammates. He tries to take the pot shots and quite often they miss. He actually took 95 shots last season, which is, I think, the third highest, but he only created 26 chances for his um, teammates, um, which on our selfishness meter was a rating of 3.65. Um, Tom Ince, incidentally, was the highest for 3.88. Though um, he's he since uh, moved to, I think it was Stoke or, or someone else in the championship. Yeah, went
1: down Stoke. so we're not going to
0: talk about Tom Ince. But <laughs> I think that's quite, I think that's quite interesting that um, stat about Rashard And I think you also have to think about how it's going to impact um, The other other Everton players like Tosin, who's a quite popular pick actually um, as a forward, because if, if he's not getting the passes from his new teammate Richarlison, he might not be. Um, be worth that much. Um, what, what do you think about um, the six point five million midfielders, Tom?
1: I uh, think this is this is really interesting because obviously having a, a selfish, inglorious bastard in this particular role is very, very important. Um, because they're 6.5, they are the sort of player who uh, you don't really care where they're getting their points from, let's be honest. Like, if they're getting points from assists, that's great. If they're getting points from goals, that's great. And um, goals are more likely to see them spike in terms of the output that they provide. Um, I've got a few very fond memories of players in this price bracket. Um, Sadio Mane in 2014-15 gave you 137 points, 11 goals uh, in this particular price bracket. Uh, Later on, uh, one of my favourites of years past is uh, Mikhail Antonio. Uh, 2015-16, he returned you 126 points, 8 goals, 7 assists. 2016-17, 9 goals, 8 assists. Richarlison is obviously very interesting. I think we said in the last pod that he, he... Average six points per game, I think it was, something like that, under Marco Silva in the very early days. It was having attempts every 25 minutes, which is pretty ridiculous. But I think one man stands above them all in terms of 6.5 selfishness. In terms of chances per minute, most likely had a shot every 20 minutes. Um, below that, in terms of the high-owned players who played more than 15 games Pedro uh, Pedro 6.5 uh, took a shot every 27 minutes he was on the pitch, uh, he, was on the pitch he was only on the pitch for he was only on the pitch for 1,500 minutes last season uh, which just shows you what kind of player he is he is the kind of guy who's looking for that goal no matter what in whatever scenario he's in um, if he's not really creating for anybody else, which isn't his role, he's an inside forward. What he does, is he cuts in and scores. Like he is like the ultimate Andros Townsend almost. Uh, Andros Townsend, interesting, was it was in the top five for chances created last season. But Pedro is one of those players who, if he is playing in the Community Shield, is going to be very high interest a lot of people. Um, they've got very good th- the first five pitches I said earlier. And I think that he's going to be the one who I'm going to be buying for 6.5 just because he plays for plays for Chelsea. And We saw what Sarri did with Dries Martins when he was at Napoli. Very similar sort of player. Very selfish. Um, in 2016-17, he took 4.2 shots per game and he had 28 goals, 9 assists. Um, if uh, Sarri does identify uh, Pedro as being that kind of guy who can push forward and be basically a Sterling, be a de facto part of that attack of that kind of attacking too. With maybe Morata, it's looking like with Giroud apparently in negotiations with a French team. Um, I think that for six point five, Pedro could finally come through and kind of be make make a mockery of his price tag.
0: Yeah I think Pedro is a a definite option and um, one to look at Incidentally, he was actually 13th for, um, for selfish midfielders on the metric he um he took 56 shots but he only created 26 uh, chances um the same as uh, uh Jay Jay Links actually um who's um, a player we haven't talked about too much but could um be one that comes into our thoughts um especially a little bit later on in the season after um, you know quite a good um summer with the England setup but i think um i think yeah Richarlison is the one i'm actually looking at at the moment despite um despite you know the negative stats and the poor uh, second half of the season i think he's just tipping um and despite the fact that actually um tom cleverly created uh, more chances for him for Watford than than Richarlison did which is quite unbelievable but i think um You know, I I think I prefer Richardson to Walcott. I think Walcott's one of those players that used to be very good, but sort of he's going down that sort of Aaron Lennon path of, you know, being a little bit past his prime, not necessarily can repeat uh, previous season heroics. But, um, yeah, I think there's definitely, like we said, there's a lot of options in that category. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon's another one who we haven't talked about quite yet. Who was brilliant for Fulham last season. He's very young as well. So, you know, he he really could... um, you know, take the Premier League by storm. We we don't know. But um and there's also James Madison who's who's been signed by um by Leicester this summer.
1: Yeah, but, we mentioned uh, him didn't we Yeah, on last yeah. yeah we
0: did. But if we if we go down a category, we, we'll talk about the cheapies, the 5.0s and the and the four point fives. And I think 5.0, there, there's a lot of um I think there's a lot of potential, actually, in owning a 5.0 midfielder as your fifth midfielder over the £4.5 million pounds this year. I'm, I'm certainly looking at the 5.0s. Um, we've, we've, we're thinking about this, uh, the likes of Kennedy, uh, Neves and, and Kearney, perhaps, are the, are the best options out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Aaron Lennon earlier on, and he was actually the top a uh, 5.0 midfielder in terms of points per game that we looked at he actually got 5 points per game last season but obviously he's he played in less than 15 games. Uh, you got Will Hughes who a lot of people are look, looking at as the new messiah um equally um equally he only played uh, he played 30 matches he he played less than 15 games last season uh, i don't think that he's going to be that kind of guy um i think the key of the five points is that you can just look at him you can look at them and think well, yeah, i can sell them cheap and move him on to somebody else if i need to um, but there, there are a few in this option in this price bracket and i think that they're kind of the prime punt Price bracket almost because if it's a 6.5 you're looking at it thinking okay like i can i, I don't mind if they don't do anything every kind of uh, every other game but if they don't do anything every kind of three or four games and you're kind of like well i've just paid a lot of money and you're going to be looking to kind of move them aside somebody else with the 5.0s there are a lot in that kind of category who are absolute punts so you aaron lennon will Hughes, i've mentioned kennedy as you've mentioned um neves so it might be the case of just looking at them and thinking, who's going to be the new Milivojevic this year? Who's going to be the guy who massively outperforms the category due to doing something, whatever it is, above that? Um, we've looked at the 5.0 midfielders, and this article, again, is coming out this th- this week, as we've mentioned. Lennon and Hughes probably are the top two. Kennedy, 3.92 uh, points per game last season. Again, didn't play very much. Uh, but of those players who did play more than 15 games last season, James McArthur is the top at 3.74 and he was one who was you know, flying under the radar like he was a, a faux winger who touched inside but he uh he scored five goals and two assists and i think that the price tag makes him a bit un- unappealing but i think he could be one that people could be overlooking but could do very well in that early kind of uh those early fixtures for palace i mean you got kearney and nevers who i did the kind of the 5.0 Harrison on the website yeah. that, that was it and you've got kearney who had 5.3.58 point, uh, points per Game, according to prospects, and prospects. Nevers five two point five nine, but the signing of uh, Joel Matinho, I think, could be very helpful for never So it means he doesn't have to do the Xhaka role of being the awkward defensive midfielder, despite he doesn't want to be, despite the fact he doesn't want to be. Um Neves took a penalty in pre-season with Helder Costa, who's another great 5.0 option on the pitch, who's a penalties in the past, as well as Diogo Jota. And he took the penalty. He also was on all set pieces. He was pulling the strings. The only issue is that he is owned by thirty percent of people. So he doesn't do anything in the first game week, maybe the first kind of couple of game weeks. He's going to fall in value. Um, but I think that Neves potentially is the guy that I'm looking at there because I think he's going to be integral towards fortunes, as well as potentially having you know the world in his pocket, plus penalties, plus set of pieces. And I think that that's a very strong thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think with Neves, like you said, his points per game total in the championship wasn't wasn't that impressive. He, he got six goals, but he only got one assist compared to Kearney, six goals and five assists. But Neves' discipline was also an issue. He got eleven yellow cards and got one red card. So, you know, you might see some yellows and some reds, some one pointers, zero pointers, even potentially uh, from from Neves, which um, obviously won't be ideal. But if he is on penalty, definitely can be an option. In in terms of four point five million midfielders. Like I said I'm, I'm a big fan of the 5.0s but in the 4.5 bracket there really isn't that much out there. Um, I did mention Reese Nelson to you which you kind of laughed at a little bit but I think he has the potential to have a breakthrough season and he has been playing as a part of a front three for Arsenal and scored a couple of goals so he could be someone definitely to watch um, There's Masuaku who's been recategorised but also seems to be playing as a full so you don't really want a, a P.O. Um, sort of uh, out of position midfielder playing as a defender as your 4.5 choice and then there's also another pick dale stevens um who's owned by 11.3 percent of managers by virtue of being the highest point scoring 4.5 million midfielder but he actually um for all midfielders he um, had the worst shots on target per minute, which was 1,620 minutes per shot on target, which uh, you know is pretty damn yeah, terrible. So good, <laughs> <it? You> <laughs> know, no, so he's definitely someone to avoid. And and finally, there's Chalabar, um, Nathaniel Chalabar. He was in both our squads last season before he got injured, which was unfortunate for him, as he'd just been called up for England for the first time alongside a certain Harry Maguire. So he's <laughs> definitely one to watch for um, for Watford's next season if he's fit and, and looking good.
1: Yeah, Chalib, uh, um took twelve shots in the six games that he played, which works out as two shots per game. If anyone's any good at maths, uh, he also had one big chance, which kind of shows where he could potentially do. Um, but four point five. I mean, you haven't got that many options. Uh, Phil Billing uh, is for getting a top billing for from a lot of us. Through okay. for, for two assists for Huddersfield, uh, he played every minute before he got injured. Uh, the German, uh, so he could be another one. At the end of the day, like you know, having a four point five, I, I don't really care. Like they're not going to play you're yeah, going to be kill billing <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, you... okay uh should we take a break there nick and then we'll move on to the forwards and sign off who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and we're going to talk about uh forwards now uh before we get to the end of the pod today and i think what's interesting about forwards is that we did the points per cost stuff relating last season to this season one guy came uh first and it wasn't somebody you'd expect it was jamie vardy uh, Jamie Vardy actually outscored Roberto Firmino last season by two points I think a lot of people, if you did ask them and I did do this, you asked them who scored the most, Roberto Firmino or Jamie Vardy everybody said Firmino would have scored a lot more no, Jamie Vardy scored, the mo- uh, scored more than Firmino by two points but Firmino got the 1.0 price hike whereas Vardy got the 0.5 which is quite interesting I think maybe that kind of shows the fact that sometimes uh, team status gives FPL the reason to make a player more expensive than actual objective reasons such as the player's performance Um, but I mean you've been banging on about forwards not particularly being the most valuable of spots in terms of uh, return on investment Nick and um, what is your approach to forwards at the moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I've got Agüero in my team. I was actually looking at having Firmino. Um, so for me, it's interesting what you said about Firmino and Vardy. Vardy outscored Firmino, but if you um, excluded the appearances, Firmino was actually better value, and he was the most uh, the best value. No, was um, it wasn't. No, it he wasn't. He was a thirteen. I've got it here. Just.
1: I know, so, I know, I know, but we've got the updated data now, which is compared to this year's price. Yeah, to the last, for last for last year's price, he he was thirteen point
0: one eight compared to to Vardy's twelve point eight two in terms of points per value, um, with no appearances using last year's data. Obviously, with Firmino getting that price hike and Vardy not getting only getting the zero point five million price hike, Vardy is um, better value in terms of this year's prices. But I think for me, um, Agüero is is the man to own at the start of the season, even though there is that Jesus threat. I think with those fixtures, he's just one of those players that if you don't own him, he's going to strike down upon you with great vengeance, isn't it? He? He's just going to, you, you know, he's playing Newcastle. He's always got a hat trick or four goals um, when he plays Newcastle. He's playing all the promoted clubs from last season, all the promoted clubs from the season before. You know, I think for me, Agüero is is the man to own. Um, but then I I've, I've actually so I was looking at a nine point five million pound midfielder to compliment him. And um, so I was looking for me, you know, I'm not necessarily sure if he's going to start the season. The other person, I was looking at is Lacazette and I know um, he's, um, I know you're a big fan of Aubameyang, Tom. So I thought I'd do a quick um, Aubameyang versus Lacazette comparison to see um, if, you know, Aubameyang was worth the extra 2 million pounds or if Lacazette could, um, could cover Aubameyang because in the pre-season Aubameyang has been playing on the wing whilst Lacazette has been playing in the number nine. Though incidentally, on Emery's um, leaked sheets it was the other way round and Aubameyang was in the number nine slot. So it'll be very interesting to follow that. But in terms of the underlying stats, um, the numbers are a little bit closer than you would think. Lacazette's touch heat map was primarily in the box Whilst, as expected, Aubameyang was actually more on the wing. Aubameyang had higher goal attempts, 2.3 a game compared to Lacazette's 1.8 a game. But Lacazette actually created chances every 39 minutes compared to Aubameyang's 75 minutes. Though due to um, slightly um, less minutes, uh, Lacazette had a goal um, every 78 minutes compared to Aubameyang's 111.8 minutes. And that um, that was for the end of the season, those numbers which I thought was um, quite interesting, actually. Lacazette had 6.6 penalty touches a game compared to Aubameyang's 5.1, and their minutes per attempt was very close, 34.1 compared to 35.8 for Aubameyang. So I think um, I think he definitely could be um, foil for Aubameyang at £2 million cheaper.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And I think that Yang's one of those players who... It's the same with Mo Salah, actually. The nominal starting position doesn't matter too much to me. Like, I understand exactly what you were saying in terms of uh, Lacazette probably potentially covering Aubameyang for for that amount. Um, and also last season, it should be noted that Lacazette was injured um, and he was carrying injury for a long time and took a had. had uh, surgery, I think, towards the end of the season. But if we look at the data between game week 20 and 38, I think that we end up with Rob Bamiang showing what he could potentially do. I mean, you've got uh, Lacazette, who could never get above 20 goals per season at Leon, unless he took penalties. Uh, if he's on the sympathy penalties that season again, then potentially there's something there. Um, I think we saw that between the start of 2015-16 and, June- and January when he joined Arsenal, he was at 0.97 goals per game for Borussia Dortmund. That kind of shows the value of Aubameyang, and that the com- the kind of comparative corresponding metric for Lacazette was nowhere near that. It just depends on your judgment, I think, um, whether you think that that one point five is going to be kind of worth it. That one point five, you can make it work elsewhere. The difference is that if you start comparing Aubameyang to Cuneguerro, Aubameyang is going to play every game. Cuneguerro probably will not play every game. He is going to be rotated with Jesus, and you are going to be thinking, well, all right. If I own Coniguerro, I'm going to want to captain him at some point in in that kind of two to seven fixture run, yeah. Um, but there's always that risk that he's going to be rotated for somebody else. So that's why I'm looking at the supporting cast of Man City in that particular spot rather than Coniguerro. That like, I feel less annoyed about the fact that I had a nine point five and Sana or a seven point five and Bernardo Silva being benched rather than having my eleven point zero premium striker. Being benched than Conagüero. so I'd much prefer owning Aubameyang who's gonna play come in and take, chance, take shots and those shots are very likely to be accurate.
0: Yeah I think you are right um, I think Aubameyang is the more, more prolific of the two strikers um, the more deadly and uh, probably the better one to own but obviously you have to pay a little bit of extra money which um, has to come out from somewhere be it your midfield or defence um, one position will have to suffer I mean, um, I think, obviously, we can't talk about forwards without uh, mentioning Harry Kane. And um, he's obviously £12.5 million. So he, he is a huge chunk of your budget if you're planning on owning him and you're planning on owning Mo Salah. Um, he's also obviously been involved in, in the World Cup. But still, um, you know, he's still heavily owned. And, and we might get punished by by, you know, avoiding him and not talking about him. So we have to kind of, you know, talk about how good he is. You know, he's owned by 33.5% of managers. He obviously scored 30 goals last season. That's but he also, um, isn't it? He, he also made 184 attempts on goal, which is, um, you know, Aguero had 94 and that was the second highest for strikers. It was twice as many as Lukaku, you know, over twice as many as the other leading forwards of our season, like Firmino, Morata, Vardy, um, Lacazette. Just in- incredible stats, you know, all of his stats just point to him as the best forward and the best ones own. He had 229 penalty touches for instance which was 31 more than any other striker you know his his shot accuracy was 40.8 percent so he's getting loads of shots you know obviously loads of attempts 184 but they're still accurate as well you know which is pretty average for most forwards and um his goal conversion was only 16.3 percent but you know he had 75 shots on target which you know his, his his numbers are brilliant. He's obviously he's got the golden boot in the World Cup, even if it was you know from a few um, few penalties and you know a thrashing of Panama. Um, But you know, still, obviously, the fear with Harry Kane of not owning him is big, and it, it, we could be punished by not owning him. But then he has history of performing badly in August, and he's probably going to be a little bit unfit at the start of the season as well. So it's it's a tough one, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always the the Ericsson factor, there's always the cover factor, and there's always the fact that um, Mo Salah is so expensive that owning him and Harry Kane, yeah, 25.5 million of your budget is mental. Towards the end of last season, for example, what's interesting is that uh, in terms of penalty box touches, Firmino and Aubameyang, and Vardy all had more penalty box touches than Kane did. Or Bamang actually had more attempts over the last eight fixtures than Kane did, and had more big chances as well. He we had eleven versus Kane's five. So you know you've got a sense of exit velocity, and I think there's something about kind of Kane looking a bit of a shell of himself towards the end of the World Cup. Uh, kind of worry that he's pushing himself a little bit, and you know you quoted Christian Eriksen's stats. Um, Earlier on, I think that there's something about maybe potentially covering Kane with Ericsson that maybe you don't get with uh, Salah and Firmino. Um, I mentioned him as part of my uh, my chat about him, and I think that Firmino and Vardy are probably the two who are who are options at that kind of nine point five slash nine point zero level, which are currently kind of not on our radars because they're big be new coming back from the World Cup, and, and Murata probably fits in this too. Yeah, I think there are a few options up there as premium assets, but then thing is though these
0: guys are very expensive, and um, you. you if you're planning on going big at the back, you're planning on owning Salah, you're planning on owning a Manchester City midfielder as well. You just, you just, it's just tricky, you know, how to fit all these guys in It's just an impossibility. So instead, we you have to you have to downgrade, and you have to look at the seven point zeros, and I think this season, I think that's seven point zero is a, is a very um, decent price. For a forward and as a even a second forward, a lot of people are looking at the guys at this price. And there's, um, there's three, I think, key guys, um two of them that are being reclassified, um, which are um Sahar and Altovich, midfielders from last season, and there's Tosin and Everton that a lot of people are looking at as well because of the um, the decent Everton fixtures.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean um stats. Uh, in the last eight games last season are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 28 uh, attempts, 22 uh, shots in the box, five big chances, uh, a conversion rate uh, of 14% and uh, 46% shot accuracy. And what's interesting about Arnautovic is that he got more pen box touches than most are, and he's still being played as number nine by the new manager, Pellegrini. So I think he's basically said to the new manager, yeah, you know what, I'm a number nine now, deal with it um like you've got marega um who's coming in from uh, from the portuguese league who by the way has ridiculous uh, uh, goals to the game who has a ridiculous goals to the game ratio um but pellegrini plays a 4222 um a lot of the time we saw that at man city with jeco and aguero and i think that onautovic is going to be playing a number 9 role for west ham unless unless something changes um, I can't see, you know, Andy Carroll being favoured over an No, I Hernandez.
0: Mean, uh, is over.
1: not. I think I think that On Altevic, is a is like in terms of I said this on the last pod. In terms of the optimal 7.0 player to have, because you can move around and say, you know, I'm going to have Zahar, I'm going to have, you know, Chris Wood, I'm going to buy uh, Josh King. Uh, like having the optimum player is going to probably be the best thing. I mean, West Ham start against Liverpool, which is you know pretty deep pretty difficult but they got Bournemouth game week two so if he does something in game week one then suddenly you know everybody's gonna be jumping on and out of it and out of ownership has just ticked over 26 percent now which is absolutely ridiculous for a 7.0 um which shows that you know the preseason everybody's been buying into it but yeah i i just feel like he's the kind of the top option in the 7.0 i mean you've got wolf zahar as well who has been doing pretty well in the last kind of preseason game he got a uh got golden assist didn't he yeah, he did. And
0: I think Zaha is linked quite heavily with the move away. Um, he doesn't seem particularly happy at the moment playing for Crystal Palace. So that might um, impact. Um, his performances, so we, we mentioned Crystal Palace's fixtures being brilliant so he was one that I was originally looking at as my option um, but I think Zaha, is a, is a, he's a great player and he's definitely very good value still as a as 7.0 forward um, sort of moving moving down in terms of the prices, we start looking at the 6.5s, and you start to kind of, you start to verge into Andre Gray territory but there's a, <laughs> a, there's a few out there, there's you know there's um, Chris Woods for Burnley Iose Peris for Newcastle, a great um, end of the season. You've got Charlie Austin, then you've got a nice guy Eddie's boys, um, Josh King and Callum Wilson as well. Um, all that could potentially perform. Um, you know, I think um, Chris Wood was sort of my pick of the bunch. I've talked a little bit about him. I was thinking about owning him. Um, he is. A, he does have a knock at the moment and we have talked about perhaps there's, there might be a tyres Burnley squad from their Europa League uh, performances. But I mean, he scored 10 goals from last season somehow from only 39 attempts, which is quite an impressive goal conversion of 25.6%. Um, he was very good, um, very impressive stats as well when he played for Leeds in the Championship, which um, I wrote about when he first signed for Burnley in a prospecting prospects article. I think he's he's one of those players he's very very big. He can get, get on the end of a cross very easily. And I think he's um he's very dangerous in the air as well. So he's definitely um someone I am looking at at that 6.5 million price range as a
1: as a possible option as well. The only other option to mention there is Alexander Mitrovic, who look is going to Fulham. Um, last season, at uh, the half season he was there, he played 18 games, uh, starts 18 games, and he scored 12 goals and had a shots per game ratio of 4.1, uh, which is pretty damn good. That's the same as Harry Kane. It's the same as uh, Cenk Tosen who we mentioned before, his ratio at Besiktas. Uh Fulham start the season pretty well. They've got Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Burnley, uh, Brighton. Um, so you can imagine that three out of four of those are being kind of circled as being winnable. And I think that maybe, you know, you've got Andre Sherlow who didn't mention earlier um, supporting him. I think that could be a very kind of attractive thing. Um, uh, it depends. It remains to be seen where he, where he will fit in. Um, but as you just mentioned, and alluded to there, Nick, I think that there's very little in that particular category. It kind of makes you think I'm just going to go kind of strategically. I'm going to be looking at a 7.0 so I can buy somebody who is a little bit cheaper if they start to fire, uh, Early on in the season, I think beneath that, I mean we can just cover that off quickly beneath that, I don't think there's very much is there like Bobby Reeds has has scored for cardiff in in pre season, but I really can't see very much beneath that apart from being your third kind of bench slot if you're going for a four four two or a three five two. Yeah, you've
0: got Abubakar, Abubakar, Kamara, 4.5 million at Fulham. Not Diamante,
1: so not Chris. Not
0: Chris, no. Supposedly on um, penalties, <laughs> according to the Fancy Football Scout website, but whether that's um, taken by someone else, um, we don't yeah. know. you got Colin Quayne who made a few appearances for Huddersfield last season, also at 4.5. You know, you've know, you got Shane Long at 5.0 and Joss... Hosselu as well, but I don't think Hosselu is going to be playing too much for Newcastle now either. So, um, you know, there's there's really not that much um, in the lower prices. And if you are going for someone at that price, they're likely to be sitting on your bench most likely.
1: Yeah, no one there's a born killer, are they? Um all right. So um let, let's move on to the to the very end then, Nick. And that's uh quickly before uh, I think I'm on, on the next pop of FPL stag, we're probably going to be talking a lot about unwritten rules of FPL within this particular segment, as well as talking about a few kind of Different things which are coming up towards the very end of the drafting process, which is what we're kind of entering now. Next year, we're going to be doing a few things. We spoke about this in the very first part, and it's worth reiterating now. So, for our features, we're going to do in the market forces, which Nick's, is, Nick's going to lead, and that's kind of talking about movers and shakers in the market, we'll keep an eye on the bandwagons, keep an eye on what managers are doing. Last season, Nick Granite Shacker was the first player to have a rise. That was after two assists in the very first game.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into the market forces world, watching the uh the, watching the market play out, using that FPL NTI data to see uh, the movers and shakers. Yeah, I remember last season you started off with Xhaka and Hagatsi as the first really big bandwagons of the season. So who knows who it's gonna be. Um, this season, but season before, I think it was Kapue who was like, you know, he
1: yeah, could cons-
0: about a million in, in about six game weeks or something ridiculous. Um, we're also going to be doing an All England um, 15, celebrating the relative success at the World Cup. We're going to see how um, an England team will do, probably led by the likes of Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane. Um, Josh Kim might even um, get that first striker slot. But uh, it depends how, how strict we are
1: with the rules there. <laughs> uh, I, like also... the, I like the way you choose, boy.
0: <laughs> um, We've also uh, obviously got the Zombie League with um, a league code of 280665-58277. The rules of this league are no chips, no transfers, no captaincy changes. And it's the ultimate ghost ship league. Um so yeah it'll be interesting to see your setups um, how you distribute the funds are you going to go with or without Salah um, let us know via Twitter we're looking forward to seeing all the teams um, lots of people have signed up for the league already which is great
1: yeah we've got over 400 signups to the zombie league already I uh, think the one that we're keeping an eye on I mean we've got a few kind of uh, questions about whether we people are going kind of test and control so having their game week one side with a fairly strong bench or uh, uh, and that and having a zombie side alongside that and then kind of, all right, one of them's going to be managed, one of them isn't, which one does better? Uh, the other side of it is kind of doing what I'm doing, so having no Salah and having like uh, the funds spread out and then seeing how well we do. But I think that's a very interesting one, and you know, everybody who's on Twitter sent me a team so far. They've all looked very, very interesting, so I think that should be a very interesting thing going forward.
0: Yep and there's a there's a theme to every pod as well there was um, obviously a theme this game week um so this week which um, you may have may or may have not noticed we always you know throw in some really dodgy references and say a few stupid things um which is normally related to the theme of the pod not just us saying some really odd odd comments um last um last week the theme was star trek so well done lots of people got that theme. well done to all the guys that got it i think it was andy goodland that got it first wasn't it tom
1: yeah it was indeed it was indeed so uh, yeah so he's back happens. he's back with a
0: vengeance isn't he
1: yeah i think he got the most gold stars last season so he must be <laughs> he must be looking to retain his crown after a couple of uh, a couple of slow to the slow, slow to the mark kind of performances recently right um that's it um let's let's just kind of say who we are again we are who got this you can find us at who you can find us at on twitter at WGTA underscore fpl if you want to join our leagues um as nick just mentioned our zombie league is 280-665-58277 and uh, we're going to be doing a couple of uh, prizes for that and um, there's a couple of t-shirts that we're trying to get printed up with uh, i survive the wgta apocalypse <laughs> uh, wgt apocalypse i guess uh d- done for that and our main league is 516441 and um as the season starts we're going to start giving people shout outs and start mentioning what's going on there we're going to be back next week with the Unwritten Rules pod uh, with FPL Stag uh, so some, a little bit of an Irish lilt uh, to uh, infiltrate our uh, our London kind of chat but thank you very much uh, for listening guys and uh, I hope this is you thanks guys see you next week oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist
0: Podcast Network.